0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and this lecture is going to be on Cardiac CT focusing on 3D visualization. And I've given you previous talks on volume rendering, we've talked a number of times about Cardiac CT, and this talk, which was something I presented in part at NASCI a couple weeks ago, kind of looks at just the visualization aspects of Cardiac CT. And Whether you use a single-source scanner or a dual-source scanner, whether you're at 165 milliseconds or 83 milliseconds, whether you use prospective gating or whether you do retrospective gating, whether the radiologist does the 3D processing, whether you have a technologist helping or presenting some uh, select images, uh, regardless of how you do it, there are many important steps in cardiac imaging but one of the most important is post-processing. So if you assume you have a good data set, post-processing makes all the difference. So it's really how you use that data set, how you can get to that correct diagnosis. So in terms of uh, post-processing, what's the best technique? Well. I always like to make the point that the best technique is one that people are willing to use. If you have an incredible technique, it's incredibly difficult to use. It's just not going to be used. The technique's to be highly accurate, high sensitivity, high specificity. It also needs to be reproducible in terms of results. Many people are going to use a technique, whether it's radiologists or referring physicians or technologists. So it needs to be reproducible. And again, in terms of its ability to being used, it needs to be um easy to learn, and so time efficiency becomes critical. It can't take you a year to master, so it needs to be easy to learn, easy to master, and easy to teach. So that's very important concepts just in general. When you talk about rendering techniques, when I say rendering, what that is, it's the technical determinant of 3D image quality in most cases, because it's the computer algorithm that transforms axial CT into actual 3D images. The optimal technique, well, what is it? If you're looking at cardiac uh, and we'll focus mainly on coronary arteries, what's the best technique? Is it axial or multiplanar or curved MPR or is it 3D volume rendering or MIP or is it 4D? You know, the question is what is the best technique for looking at all of this different data sets. And in fact, it's interesting but with all the articles published on 64 slice CT with cardiac and even 16 slides with cardiac that issue has not really been addressed. There's one recent article that does comment uh, from Stefan Achenbach that the uh, evaluation of CT coronary angio is best done with interactive display methods, particularly interactive oblique NPRs, uh which again pr- permit higher accuracy than pre-rendered images. So again. What they're really saying is what you need to do is you need to have interactivity. That if someone creates a bunch of images for you, that may not be the best way to do things. Interactivity is the way to go. Now, in that article, they focused on um, oblique MPRs, But again, a key thing is just this focus on interactivity. So in saying that, what are the key visualization parameters? So, of course, the rendering technique used the orientation of the display is going to vary from patient to patient so again one of the reasons interactivity is critical it's hard for me to tell you in advance do the study exactly this way present it exactly that way because it may not be perfect patient to patient and again when you do it interactive it really provides you all of that flexibility so let's take a look at some of the basic concepts at the coronary level and beyond so axial imaging you always have to look at the axial images. That's not a uh, surprise. And as many people have shown, axial CT alone is very good, particularly in the normal patient. But again, there's issues with partial averaging. You're looking at hundreds of slices. And if you put things in 3D, as you see in this volume rendered case, you can really do an excellent job looking at the vessel in totality, particularly orientation of chambers, whether it's in the AV groove or interventricular septum, Uh, Again, whether it's an anomalous vessel, and then of course you need to be able to isolate the vessel and basically sub-select the vessel and really interrogate that specific vessel. So I've shown you three different techniques and basically making the point that we need all of them. That's our opinion. You need everything. So let's look at each technique individually and figure out their advantages and disadvantages. Multiplanar reformation, typically we think about coronal and sagittal imaging. But particularly in cardiac, this is where curved planar really fits in. Now, NPR data is really dependent uh, as the source of information. So remember in the old days we did MPR, four millimeter thick sections every three millimeters. Uh, it was good, but you know, you're not going to get the best resolution in that situation. Now, with isotropic data sets, things are ideal for NPR imaging. And in terms of practice, MPR is the thing that's used most in practice across all applications. As you know, many scanners now could automatically generate routine coronal and sagittal imaging without any need for post-processing. So it's a routine technique. Now, MPR is good. Often the sagittal view, for example, looking at the aortic arch and descending aorta. But you recognize that, of course... Uh, when things come in and out of plane, the the coronal sagittal is not going to be optimal, and trying to look at a coronary artery is just not going to work well. And that's where curved planar reconstructions really work nicely, because with curved planar, what you're doing is going through the center of the vessel, that center line, and basically then stretching the vessel out as if it was a string of spaghetti. And it's really ideal for looking at vessels like the coronary, And the ability to rotate the image, of course, allows you to really get a 360 view of the vessel, particularly when looking at stenosis, as well as for branch vessels. And so in this case, where I look at a volume rendered image of the right coronary artery, and you can see conus branch, and you see chambers very nicely, we then would use the computer, and this will vary from workstation to workstation. This is on the Siemens workstation. And you pick two points, the computer tracks the point, does the center line, then you're able to rotate the image along that center line to get a very nice visualization, which in this case was a normal right coronary artery. Next example shows you with pathology. Now we're tracking the left anterior descending coronary artery, and you can see in its uh, mid-portion, there's a prominent calcified plaque, and proximal to it, there's soft plaque present with vessel luminal narrowing. So again, you're able to use this to really get a good look at that. You would rotate those images around. There is now software that allows you to grade the stenosis. So one of the things you'll see a lot of in the coming years or even coming months is software. So instead of, as most people do and as we do, eyeballing this lesion and saying, well, it's 50% or it's under 50 or greater than 50, the computer, by choosing points at the maximum stenosis and proximal and distal to the stenosis, allows you to have a computer grade Of the lesion. Now, again, this needs to be robust, it needs to be proven accurate, but it's something to show where we're going. Now, another example showing the value of curved planar. Here, very nice tracking of the individual coronary arteries, and let's take a look at the right coronary. Again, here it is stretched out, and we look at it a little bit closer, you'll notice proximally that the patient has extensive non calcified plaque. There's luminal narrowing, not quite 50%. But there's extensive soft plaque present and this is a wonderful example where you're seeing soft plaque but no calcified plaque and it's a wonderful example showing you the power of curved planar reconstruction in this technique and you could see as you drop the arrows in there's normal vessel normal vessel distally and the uh, area of soft plaque and vessel narrowing so in this situation we would use that computer software ideally be able to calculate specifically the degree of stenosis. Now whether a patient has normal vessels or, as the last case, soft plaque but no calcified plaque, or this case with this calcified plaque as well as non-calcified plaque in the LAD, you very nicely can see how this vessel analysis software lays out each vessel, you rotate around the vessel. And you really can quantify specifically what is going on in that vessel. So again, um, this is something that you need to use. We routinely use curve planar reconstruction. It's definitely the way to go in this application. And you can see it very nicely here using, again, some of the software tools in terms of visualization. Curve planar reconstruction is ideal when you're looking at stents. So here's a nice stent. And you can see with a stent, you want to go through the center of the vessel. 3D mapping is not going to help. Axial is not going to help. And when you can track the vessel perfectly, as in this example, or track the LAD in this example, you're able to open up the coronary arteries and open up the stent and really get a very nice visualization of the vessel. You also can see some areas of calcified plaque, but no stenosis of any great significance uh, at this point. And again, looking at another example of that, just very, very nice visualization. Now, in cases where you might have a stenosis, like this example, axial images. well, you see the stent, but what's going on? Well, when you start looking, you see the stent is patent, but proximal to the stent, and distal to the stent, there is stenosis. This patient's having chest pain because of vessel disease, but the stent is not occluded. It's the fact there was disease proximal and distal to the stent. So, curve planar, then, is very, very critical. Let's go to the next technique, volume rendering. Now, volume rendering, we've spoken about many times. We've mentioned how it has the most variability between vendors, that the flavor of volume rendering will be different. We mentioned it's the most difficult technique to master because you have significant capabilities, and the more capabilities you have, the more there's for potential error. If you do it correctly, many articles have shown that it's the most accurate technique for looking at vessels. Volume rendering is a percentage classification technique which assumes that uh, a voxel can contain more than one tissue type, which means it's ideal for looking at soft tissues. Uh, MIP is good for looking at vessels only. Volume rendering can look at every type of tissue type. We use a probabilistic classification. We use trapezoids. I've shown you that before as well. And we assign each tissue type a range of trapezoids and there is a typically overlap, and you could change those trapezoids in real time in many different ways. We then assign each tissue type a color and transparency, and each voxels assign the color and transparency by using a weighted sum of the percentage of each tissue present in that voxel. Then the images are produced by simulating a rays of light through a volume that contains the classified and colored voxels and then projected on the computer screen. And again, it's this flexibility, this tremendous capability that does create more of a challenge because with MIP, the variability from person to person, is just not going to be there. With volume rendering, it can indeed be there. So let me show you some of the things about volume rendering. If you look at this case of a pulmonary AVM, look at the patient's left hilum. You see the pulmonary artery, you see the aorta, you see the AV malformation, you see the feeding vessel, you see the draining vessel. And whether you do that in color or you do it in grayscale, you can see it very well. But look what happens in MIP. Everything is projected, and so you see the AVM, but where it connects, sensually impossible. Pulmonary artery, aorta, central vessels, all of the same density. You can see the SVC because it's brighter, but you don't get any of the relationships. The heart is basically a whiteout, and that's the issue. Um, you're just not going to see the same detail if you use MIP routinely. Again, it's kind of an all in one phenomena. Now, one thing with volume rendering we can do is adjust the lighting model. It only works with volume rendering, and adjusting the lighting model will really help you bring out different details. It's especially valuable for global visualization of cardiac structures, and will change the lighting, whether it's the shading, the surface enhancement, whether it's the shininess or bringing out highlights. I'll show you an example of that. Here's a nice case. Look at the patient's left, coronaries, left coronary system, LAD and diagonals, and I'll just change the lighting model and we'll look at the variability of how we can visualize the different vessels, how we can bring out the smaller vessels. I think when you do different lighting models, what you want to be able to do is use it in a way to bring out more detail, and that's something that is easy to see. You can see here, you can hide detail, you can show more detail. You can do it in color or you can do it in grayscale. So, again, volume rendering is ideal in this visualization. Now, volume rendering is also ideal in global visualization of the heart. When you're looking for three dimensional relationships, whether it's the vessels, the chambers, aberrant vessels, uh, it's ideal. Now, in terms of stenosis, because of its variability, it can cause issues of overcalling or undercalling stenosis, but I think that's something that you really uh, can learn how to avoid so why don't we do this I think time is running out so why don't we take a break for just a couple minutes and why don't we pick it up at this point thank you very much